0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to YasFM. You're with Kath Kovac in the women's room this afternoon. Hope you've all been having a great week. This afternoon in the women's room with me, I have Ganga Karen Ashworth to chat to you. I met Karen or oh, or oh, Ganga, sorry, a few years ago at a retreat where she was running a music workshop or a singing workshop and it was lots and lots of fun and I've met Gunga a few times since then and I thought it'd be really great to have her on the show to talk about all the different things that she does which is a lot. She works as a lecturer, an empowerment coach, a counsellor, a teacher but particularly she works as a sound psychotherapist and I love to find out about new things and I literally had no idea what a sound psychotherapist might do so I thought I'd get Ganga to come on the show. How are you today Ganga?
1: I'm really well, Kath, and really happy to be talking to you today.
0: That's awesome. Thanks for coming on. So, Gunga, I know about sound healing because, you know, I've done a little bit of that myself and I've been to sound healing sessions where people play uh, like the Tibetan bowls or they might ding little bells or they might sing or they might play a drum, and I've used a drum myself in sound healing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering how much has that got to do with sound psychotherapy uh, is it completely different? Is it based on the same thing? And what is the science behind uh, sound psychotherapy? How does it work?
1: What great questions! This is going to be fun, Kat. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think there's a lot of similarities. So the the basic premise of sound healing also applies to sound psychotherapy. That we are made up of vibration. In fact, everything that we know to be physical is made up of vibration. So sound being vibration can have an influence on that and sound sent with a particular intention can can be healing so uh and even just being bathed in that sound some people speak about sound baths and and just receiving this that sound can have emotional and, and physiological benefits so there's, there's a lot of research into where um, sound healing impacts the, the physical and emotional bodies and really the difference with psycho, sound psychotherapy is taking it into the, the realm of um, working with a with process, going deeper into what is it that's impacting, that's influencing, that has been the, the genesis, the beginning of the situation, whether it's a, a body s- a symptom that's showing up or whether it's something more on a, an emotional or psychological basis and using sound to, to shift, to go in and vibrate that part in the body or that thought or that belief and shake it loose. So uh, things that have been long held or repeated and, and um, wound up and, and become solidified almost in ourselves can be, um, st- be moved by the vibration and start to shake loose and be... Freed up to release from the body to be utilised in a different way, so it frees up the energy or availability of energy in the body, and um, so it's really working on on a very similar premise. It's just including sound psycho, including psychotherapy with sound.
0: Wow, that sounds absolutely fascinating. I'm trying to envisage how it actually happens. Do you play instruments? Do you sing, or do you have some other way of producing the sound?
1: my specialty is working with the voice and for years have worked with people that have had difficulty with their with expressing their voice in some way that there's some way that it's impeded or held back or been silenced and or they don't like the sound of their voice so that was a lot of my work initially and then when i retrained in counseling and psychotherapy with the Metavision institute I wanted to com- realised that there was a way to combine the two that there was such a correlation with how I'd already worked and this um, approach to to psychotherapy called process oriented psychology and it was really about following what was going on for that person so for me. Uh, It's incorporating what I already use, which is the voice, but it doesn't have to be singing. Sometimes it can be for people, but usually it's more sounding. So it could even be a hum or it could be a growl or a a sort of sound or a buzz or it's amazing the sort of sounds that come out. So all things are welcome and you can't get it wrong.
0: Mm, So you are sort of um suggesting to the person like what kind of sound they can make i mean are you making the sounds or they're making the sounds or it's a bit of combination
1: it's a combination i like to use the psychotherapy aspect the process and oriented psycho psychology sorry I just had a glitch that um helps us to get to what's what are the sensations where is it in the body what is so it becomes quite somatic In the understanding of it so I know what's going on in my body as a client and then asking the client what sound you know what that sounds like or what sound arises from that and there's a wisdom within each of us that's embodied that responds to that our brains don't know the answer to you know what what does that sound like like that's just too abstract for us but Mm. there is a knowing that gets tapped into in this way and the sound that comes is is amazing it's always like oh wow I could really feel that in that spot in my body or that's that's made me feel different it's opened up my breathing or opened up my heart or it's quite surprising that we we know when we don't realize that we do What the sound is that we need to make.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's the actual vibration of the sound physically vibrating the cells. Do you think that's releasing whatever the emotion or whatever the issue is?
1: That's my understanding. And also amplified by the fact that it's your own voice that's making the sound. So our our voice is housed in our body and our body's bathed in that vibration all the time that we're making sound and talking so for our whole lives and it is actually our tissue so the vocal folds that vibrate when we breathe air out across them that creates the sound so our body responds to our own voice our emotions respond to our own voice because it's known it's like it's coming home to that voice so that really amplifies the effect of of the sound it's not a a disembodied sound it's an absolutely embodied sound that you're creating and you know sending with intention or utilizing in in your being.
0: So Ganga you were saying that it's important or it it really works well for the person's own voice to be used because the body is so used to having that vibration uh, in the voice so what do you think about you know the the sort of many sound healings that are on offer uh, when people go and lie down and just listen to, instance, Tibetan sound bowls. Since that's not their own voice at all, how healing is that kind of thing, or is that just more just something to relax you and make you feel good?
1: Yes, it is relaxing and it does make you feel good, and it can be healing. It's our ability to receive the sound, I think, that's that's part of it, and. You know, my passion obviously is voice, so that's why I love that it's it's a really embodied sound. But for some people that might be, you know, it might be too confronting, it might be too much of a leap. So um, I'm not saying sound baths are only an entry level experience, but if that is your first experience of sound healing, that's a much more um, approachable thing to be receiving the sound and not having to create it. So I want to acknowledge that. Um, but also, it's it's both and, you know, the, our our voice is a very healing instrument. I would postulate our most healing instrument, and we carry it with us twenty four seven, so it's really available to us. But the beauty and the um, the the power of the sounds like you're speaking about the tibetan bowls crystal singing bowls um, you know ting shores, rattles drums there are so many different ways that that sound is used and in so many different traditions in our world that can can absolutely have an effect there's a beautiful um, formula which i quote often from jonathan goldman he wrote a book well, he's written many books and he's quite a pioneer pioneering sound healer And uh, he's, the book that this is quoted in, this is Seven Secrets of Sound Healing. And he speaks about uh, vibration and intention. So he actually speaks about the vibration in terms of frequency. So any frequency, it doesn't matter what creates it. And I, you know, extrapolate out, it could be, you know, two pots and pans banging together, or, um, you know, hit hit the wooden spoon on the fry pan kind of thing that's a frequency anything like a sound healing bowl a um, any kind of instrument with that is coupled with or that creates frequency the part that's healing is that it's coupled with intention so frequency plus intention equals healing Mm. it doesn't to me it doesn't matter where that sound comes from when it's sent with that intention that it is healing then it is
0: Mm. sent sent by the person making the sound with an intention or received by the person listening with an intention or both and
1: and both that that amplifies it as well if you're able to receive it with okay i've got this dicky knee or i've got a you know pain in my back and i'd like to receive the sound there then then that can also uh focus the sound to that place
0: Mm. yeah that's really interesting and ties in with um uh, tai Chi, my Tai Chi Qigong knowledge of uh, the you know, Chinese system of healing that mm-hmm. they have a saying that where the mind goes, the chi goes or mm-hmm. the energy goes and where the chi goes, the blood flows. So the idea being an intention that if you have your awareness on a particular part of your body, uh, then the energy will go to that part of the body and then the blood flow and circulation will increase around that part of the body, which is one reason why it's really good for uh, joint issues arthritis and that kind of thing because it can help you know lubricate the joints for instance so it kind of sounds to me like it's a similar kind of thing with the intention and the sound
1: absolutely yeah that makes perfect sense to me I can mm. I can see how that and also emotionally where where your intention goes the, the energy flows to focus on emotion blockage depression anxiousness Trauma, any of those things, it can work on that emotional level as well.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, no, it's really, it's so fascinating. I find across all these different uh, healing modalities or what have you that there's so many similarities between them. I guess all in one way focus on energy, which is, you know, vibration, you know, as we know is energy. And, um, but there's so many different ways to to set that off in the body or to establish it, you know. By by, so for instance, I remember when my mum, uh, quite a few years ago, had a particular kind of cancer, and I was reading about a whole lot of stuff that she could do to help herself in addition to the traditional, you know, medical treatments. And and I read about describing the the pain or the tumor or what have you, describing it imagining it in terms of color and shape and size and so like you know is it is it black or purple and is it is it really tiny or is it huge is it is it got um, wobbly edges or has it got hard sharp edges and all that kind of thing Mm, and I was sort of getting her to explain this I mean sorry I was explaining that to her to try to get her to visualize it and I, th- I think she thought it was a bit weird, <laughs> but she did it, and it really surprised me because she was sort of going, oh, "I don't know." And then all of a sudden, she said, "Like, oh, you know, it's it's black and it and it's hard and it's just pushing and all this really emotive stuff." And I was like, "Whoa," <laughs> you know. And um, that really had quite an quite an effect in, in localizing, I think. And so even that type of thing um, at that level can help, I suppose. It's it's sending energy there and focusing on that.
1: Yeah, and and having an understanding and even something relational with this thing because our initial response to a diagnosis like that you know would be shock obviously and then i want it gone you know i don't want this in my body so to actually focus on it in that way that you described and i've met your mum so I, and i'm always impressed with how open she is to new things even though she might think it's weird she'll try it (laughs) yep such a wonderful quality to have and and coming to that okay so I'm, I'm actually building a relationship with this thing and I'm getting to know it and then there can be a pathway for information like you said there's all these emotive things about it certainly that might be how we feel about it but also we can listen to what that part of the body has to say, you know, what that uh, dis-ease has to say, why it's wanting to get our attention. And then we can unravel what it is that it really needs to shift because it has that knowledge of why it's there and what it needs in order to release, what its healing path is. So there's always information when we listen.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing about listening, isn't it? Because Mm -hmm. like you said before, oh, you've got this thing in your body and I I don't want it there, I want it gone. But um, from what I understand, a lot of the body's pain can be partly the body calling out to us to listen and to pay attention. So instead of trying to block and ignore the fact that you've got a really sore shoulder, for instance, Mm. actually really um, sitting in quiet and focusing your awareness on that shoulder and just really analyzing without judgment what the pain feels like and, you know, almost saying hello to the pain and welcoming it into the body and asking, you know, what does it need? all those kinds of things, although they sound, you know, completely cuckoo to a lot of people. It's all, I think, just about uh, focusing the energy um, on that, on that spot and allowing that sort of, um, you know, acknowledgement to take place. What, from your psychotherapy kind of background, does that, is, is that part of psychotherapy just allowing and welcoming the pain in the body or is that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It aligns perfectly. And, it's, it's so much that a, a listening that you describe that deep listening, and we we so often don't do that. So even creating that pathway and creating a connection with that thing that's getting our attention, like you said, with pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain. And then, you know, I, I always love how it can unfold with psychotherapy and certainly with process-oriented psychology that it's it's an unfolding of what's going on there so we might go in by layers or it might be that there's an image that comes to mind like you were describing with your mum you know it's black it's purple it's you know and and fill it out it it could be that it's to do with something that's happening outside the person in their community or in the world and there's information that's that's coming in that's affecting them um you know we live surrounded by and interacting with so many aspects of life that it's not just our individual body and and what's going on for us it's the influences you know it can be back through um, our ancestry it can be uh, to do with you know connections with our with our children relationships there's all sorts of things that affect us and being able to identify what this is, what this is showing us and what it wants us to know and like you said that acknowledgement of rather than i want this gone trying to bulldoze it out what what we resist persists as you know an, an old adage and so that's what happens you know something that's being tried to we're trying to push out is going to hold on tighter in a lot of ways so being able to acknowledge it and like you said, welcome it or listen to it at least, even though that's counterintuitive, that's the thing that we least want to do. And that's the difficulty, having someone to hold you and support you to be able to go to that difficult place and and be able to come back to a place of comfort when or if it gets too much is really helpful. But, yeah, being able to develop that communication with something that you probably don't want to communicate with and we mm. gives so much information that we wouldn't have a, had access to in any other way
0: mm. yeah that's right and, and it's important to have like you say especially for someone who's new to all this kind of thing to have that person provide that safe um, space is really important I mean you can sort of do this sort of thing on your own and there's plenty of meditations and recordings out there talking about this sort of thing but I think Uh, It's really, really important to have someone who knows how to kind of work with it as well, especially if you have quite, you know, an intense pain or whatever the issue is. So can you tell me what, how did you get to, you know, think, wow, I'm going to study sound psychotherapy? (laughs) like what what happened in your pathway of life that that led you led you to that? I'm always fascinated to hear how women actually ended up doing the things that they're doing.
1: Yeah it uh, that wasn't what I set out to do. I was um I was a singer and trained at Sydney Conservatorium of Music as a music educator, music teacher. so I started out um, teaching in high schools, but when I was at the Conservatorium, my instrument was voice. so that sort of was how I connected with with people and I was you know teaching and working with clients and finding that it wasn't so much about the technique of the voice, there's a a lot of people that can teach that Um, and it was actually my own experience, I would often (laughs) be in my singing lesson and end up in tears and it was partly because I had a very strict <laughs> head of department teacher that was, you know, I always talk about her in terms of the quintessential operatic soprano, the, the Brunhilde with the hat with the Viking horns and the, and the pitchfork and the Whoa! kind of voice. And uh, so she had a lot of chutzpah to have to survive and, and be a performer um, internationally. And she had high expectations of me so she made that known when I wasn't living up to it that so <laughs> yes, there was a lot of strength that came there and and you know tear them down and see if they've got what it takes to make it in this industry and build themselves back up again kind of attitude so you know i found that I was really emotional in my lessons but I would not always but sometimes it would come up and then I noticed it a lot with my clients that the voice brought up emotion and Sometimes it wasn't anything to do with their ability to sing that piece or that part or that note. It was something else. And I, was, I got curious, like, what's that something else? What's in the way? What's going on? And started to explore that with, with my voice clients. So that's how I ended up working with voice empowerment and, and even with the speaking voice, what gets in the way you know, I go to speak and I burst into tears, or I go to speak and my voice is all tiny and squeezed out, or I go to speak and everything shakes and nothing comes out. So that's, that developed. And then the psychotherapy training, I'd been working at Metavision Institute for nine years, facilitating, working with the, the students, working with their voice. So I would get them get them singing, but also as using singing as a way to open up this channel between the heart and the mind and their ability to use their voice in, freely, that it wasn't blocked because that's your, that's your mo- medium, that's your modality when you're working a, as a counsellor or a psychotherapist with clients. So I've been working there for nine years and then I just all of a sudden went, you know, it's time for me to do this training. Mm. and and I didn't do it with any intention of it being part of my work it was just something probably something for myself Uh, there were a lot of people obviously over nine years that I knew that had done the training and I'm looking around you know my friendship groups my circle of women and going actually most of them a lot of them are graduates of of this program I should try it (laughs) I did that's how I went in and then in that process of that incredible depth of work that we got to do together over the two years of the training was um, it showed me that there was such a correlation with ways that I was already working but it broadened it to other aspects I found myself um, process-oriented psychology works with specific channels and I was working with um, two of those channels that the, the the vocal channel obviously the auditory how we how we receive and listen and um and also the visual because we can't touch the voice so they were ones that were really comfortable for me that I was working with with clients in already but then there was like four or five other channels that I went oh wow here we go (laughs) there's all of this that, that can open up to me as well so it meant that if there were ways that things got stuck with clients or with myself that we could look at it from a different way or shift in it into a different perspective so it's Mm. very deep and um and broad for me having opened up that therapy aspect
0: wow absolutely so i just want to go back just to find out a couple of definitions because whenever I hear something that I don't know what it is I always just can't help myself I have to ask. (laughs) I was always the one asking questions in the classroom and people going oh. Um, To start off with just could you define process-oriented psychology because I'm not even sure what that means.
1: Yes and that's that's a very good point. It's probably not as well known as psychology so it's based on the work of Arnold Mindell and he was um, he was originally, a stu- he was a student of Jung and he was, uh, Jung's work, and he was also oh, there was something really radically different like an engineer or um, something like that that was his basis and then the the approach that was created out of that out of psychology was process oriented literally so working with what's present for that client in that moment. And following the process that shows up in that moment, and oh. there, are, there are lots of ways to do that. I was I was speaking about um, channels, and um, you know the way that we receive feedback from the client, and uh, all sorts of aspects like um, the, the skills that we need to be able to view the situation, and also what comes with us. So he included things like um, shamanism, and um, you know, and well, Metavision Institute includes traditional Chinese medicine as well, because that's a, that's a, an aspect. Um, anthropos- anthroposophical pre- approaches—that's not necessarily part of process-oriented psychology, but it's a part of the training that I had. So there's a there's a place that there's all of these things are welcome and included. You bring who you are to the situation of sitting across from a client. So there's a field there in terms of quantum physics, that's where that's where he his um, understanding was. And so the field is influenced by those that are in it and what's going on for them, so the client and the practitioner, and also all of the other influences outside that, outside that moment. So they're all being taken into account and allowed a voice allowed a way to be played out within that um, therapeutic session
0: Mm. so by uh, the field would this be the same thing as the energy field from qigong chinese medicine theory
1: absolutely The, the body's
0: energy field so in my understanding of that is that is the body has we obviously we have energy within our body that's how we move and and operate and live but the energy does not just stop at your skin it naturally comes out just like how a magnet has a magnetic field that extends beyond the magnet, mm-hmm. um, then our body also. So, uh, we are sort of bathed in, in, an energy field in the Chinese system. There's I think six or seven layers of this energy field. And I know different philosophies have different interpretations, but effectively, like I said, everything's almost, almost based on the same thing that we do have energy surrounding our bodies, not just inside our bodies so that when, If you're uh, next to someone, you know, in a nightclub, for instance, and you get really bad vibes, you should listen to that because it's actually their energy field interacting with your energy field and sending you signals that this is not a good person to be around. Um, Would you agree with that? Same sort of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm. Okay. And so can I go back to the channels? Because you mentioned voice and vision, and I'm guessing that touch will be another one is that right so what are the other channels you said there was four or five
1: so proprioceptive which is um that touch but also how we experience our body so what are the body sensations you know the the feelings that in within the body um so there's the world channel as i was describing before about influences that are um, impacting us that we're bathed in in our lives so Mm -hmm. when there's a, a lot going on in our world like there is um it can things can show up in the world channel so there's I mentioned the visual and um now I'm going blank so (laughs) well we've got
0: visual I'll just count we've got visual we've got uh sound we've got the world and then whatever you said proprioception touch so that's four so there's got to be one more (laughs) testing you here
1: you are testing me and i've gone blank but it'll it's come okay. as we're speaking
0: oh it'll probably come to you but i just i just find all this stuff really interesting uh if you've just tuned in on yes fm i've been having a fascinating discussion with Ganga karen ashworth about sound psychotherapy and a whole bunch of other things <laughs> so what is the metavision institute i've never even heard of that what do they do there
1: so metavision institute is a an institute that trains people in counselling and psychotherapy. They now have a higher education aspect, so a degree and a master's degree course, and also a specialist training, which is the training that I did, which is, was postgraduate when I did it. And um, so it's the vision of its founder, a meta vision, I call it, of its founder, Christina Nielsen. And uh, she was a, or still is, a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. And uh, also a, a counselor and social worker, and has is steeped in the processes and the lifestyle. I guess it is of Anthroposophy. So that's the the teachings of Rudolf Steiner. So all of those things influence this model. And basically, working she was working with um, doctors, residents in in hospitals doing clinical supervision and realized that there was so much more than the the existing models of counseling of psychotherapy that we had existing so wanted to really be inclusive of much more holistic approaches uh opening up to different ways of working that could also be supported under the the umbrella of counseling and psychotherapy so Mm -hmm. that's that's the vision that she had to create MetaVision Institute. It's based in the Southern Highlands that there are now that we're online with everything, there's ability to, for people all around the world to connect and attend. So it's a mm. wonderful training. I would recommend it.
0: Yeah. It sounds fascinating. Very holistic. Um, yeah. Can I just go back to where we were talking or where you were talking about crying? <laughs> And singing, yes. So, I mean, I laugh because I've experienced this myself a lot of times, even something as simple as when I'm singing along with the radio or a CD and there's a song that's particularly got some, strike some emotion in me, then I might be, I might be okay listening to it. And as soon as I start trying to sing along with it, then I start crying.
1: Yeah. I've <laughs> experienced that myself <laughs> and it's really difficult to sing when you're crying, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't and it seems to come out of nowhere is that your experience yeah
0: yeah. you didn't realize you didn't in particular feel sad but you just go to sing the song and then you just have to stop because you're crying so what what do you make of that
1: yeah I don't know that I can explain it but I do know that I experience it and I, I guess my perception of it is that it touches something in us the the emotion of the words what what it is that the song is bringing because there is a story usually that's being told and It's not always our story, but there might be one little piece of that that we connect with and I believe again that it's Amplified by the vibration. So there's a melody. There's something about that melody even that touches something in you and it can even be as precise as there's a note that resonates in your body. There's a, a frequency that resonates with a, an emotion that correlates and re- and activates that emotion, for want of a better term. And the, the, all of those things can be at play as well.
0: Mm. Oh, that is fascinating. You know, music obviously is such a big part of humans' lives and, is, and has been ever since people started, um, you know, I guess, banging sticks together (laughs) or, you know, and creating drums and that kind of thing. And music still is a big part of a lot of cultures. So now in Australia, I mean, we have a million and one cultures here, but generally if there was such a thing as, um, you know, uh, Australian culture, which I don't really believe there is, I think there's just a whole mishmash of a bunch of other things. Mm. Um, You know, to me, music is no longer a big part as in we like to listen to music, we go to watch bands, Um, a lot of people do play instruments, but it's not ingrained in our bringing up in our um, lifestyle as it would be, for instance, in today's still traditional, you know, communities, that kind of thing. Um, I'm just wondering you know, does there's this loss of music and, and also the move away from community, you know, living to more solo nuclear family living, of course, this is a much bigger question. But how much do you think of the the, the psychological issues and the stress and the everything that so many people are facing today from kids right up to adults? It seems like everyone I know or meet has some kind of you know, um, issue or problem, myself included, you know, <laughs> don't we all, that we all have a spectrum, up, yeah. they say, yeah. Then I'm just wondering, you know, how much do you think the the loss of that, I mean, would you agree? And do you think that the loss of that that constant music that people singing together as they work, for instance, or all that kind of thing, how much do you think that relates to today's level of, I guess, psychotherapy issues? Wow, that's, I, I
1: really love that question and yeah i think there's quite a correlation you know i was noticing last night uh, at quest for life at patria king's quest for life center there was a, a group of carers that you know one woman said to me i haven't had a break in five years in caring for whoever it is in their in their family that that they look after and whatever their physical or emotional needs are it can be really intense and another one of the women once we've made sound together like i don't know for two minutes or something said wow i just feel like we're all really connected because we've and we talked about it was like because we've all made a sound all together and it feels like this group of people is is all bonded just in in two minutes and really in our in our culture now there is so much separateness we don't have those experiences of of one sound, of unison, of of working together, like you've mentioned community. But in traditional cultures, you know, there's, like you mentioned also, work songs. So women in Africa would uh, sit and sing before they even got their materials ready to do whatever the task was, you know, weaving a basket or um, actually preparing food. And the singing would be part of that entire process. So it doesn't feel like work, it feels like connection, it feels like um, joyful. It feels, you know, all of those experiences that we get from, you know, happiness, openness, connection that we get from making sound. So not having those experiences, and even in our culture, you know, probably the only time that people would sing together would be in church, uh, traditionally. And that's something that not everyone has as a as a regular thing in their weekly thing in their lives anymore so where are the opportunities that we can let our voices out and our world tells us well our media tells us that's probably a better description of it that singing is is for those people that can do it at that level like you Mm -hmm. know the voice or um, Australia's Got Talent or X Factor and all of those kind of shows so it's all about competition and elite when it comes to the voice And really, it's something that everyone has and everyone can access. So, yeah, there's a lot that we're missing there when we're not utilising that.
0: Mm, Yeah, I think so, because also so many people, of course, think that they they say, oh, I can't sing. And I say, Mm -hmm. well, to those people, you can sing. Everybody can sing because we're born to sing and to make music. It's just that at some stage you know, someone has said to them, oh, you'd sound terrible or you're off key. And that puts people off. And it's the same with drawing and other creative pursuits. Kids are happy to sing and to draw and draw all that kind of thing until they go to school. And then something happens at school and then they're like, right, I can't sing. So my husband, just for example, you know, he has quite a nice singing voice. And in fact, it was one of the things that attracted to me in the first place, <laughs> but he doesn't think so. He's like, "No, nah, I sound terrible. And I'm like, can you please just sing? You know, he's like, nah, <laughs> you know, 25 years later. And but it's so funny because so many people, and I also thought that too, that, you know, my voice, and it took me a long time to be comfortable singing in front of people, but I have no issue with it now. I think actually going to one of your, your sessions at a retreat when we were all singing together, and that actually helped me quite a lot too. Um, oh, lovely. Just, yeah, just to help get over that thing of, oh, my voice, you know. And I find, in fact, that when people start to sing or if from my experience, when I was nervous, you know, my voice did not sound that great. But as soon as you sort of just get over that and just use your whole voice and breathe properly, your voice actually changes. And I've heard recordings of myself when I've been a bit nervous and wobbly, and then I just don't care and I go for it. And the difference is amazing. I actually was doing a, um, oh, what's it called? I haven't finished it. It's one of those courses, you know, (laughs) you start a course on the internet and never quite finish it. I signed up and paid quite a lot of money, in fact, for something called Song Dance which was a weekly, oh, it's really fantastic. And it's still there, I have to finish it. And it was a series of, it was a weekly thing, only five to 15 minute recording with these two people from uh, Finland or Sweden or something. And, you know, and you were to, and it was about using the voice as healing. And you just did a few minutes each week and just explored a different theme. And because, you know, you did that at your own time in your own place where no one could hear you, I found that was really good and very freeing. And I felt- uh, and they incorporated it with movement and a lot of the other stuff. You just followed along what they were saying. And I always felt fantastic at the end of that. Just mm-hmm. so different. Just my whole body, I felt energized. You know, I felt relaxed or whatever it was that they were trying to do. And I couldn't believe it just in 10 or 15 minutes that you could feel so much better. It was it was fantastic. But, yeah, I'm up, I'm up to week eight of 52, and I think I started it about three years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> but that's not to say anything against it. It's fantastic. I just keep forgetting that I have it there, you know. So, yeah. Life. Yeah. The other thing about tears I think is interesting is um, not even with singing but with with speaking. So, I mean, I've had this experience a few times In it started off in my first women's circle that I ever went to that uh, I went to say something and I literally couldn't open my mouth and I just couldn't talk and I just started crying and I went, that's weird. I've never had a problem with talking before in my life. <laughs> And it happened all weekend. I would just go to sing or to speak and I would just cry and I had no idea what was going on. And I think it was, you know, looking back to do with being my first experience of being with women in circle and that all the kind of emotions that that brings up. And it just particularly sort of hit me. Um, yeah. Have you had that thing where you go to speak and you just cry and and what do you think about what's going on there?
1: Yes, I have that. And I have, a, have had that and I have a lot of clients who experienced that and, it can be so disconcerting for for us as, as, when that happens, and it also, so depending on the the place where it happens, you know, if it happens in the workplace or you know with family or in a in a public place like that, it can feel really disconcerting for the people around, you know. So the people in the workplace going, oh, I don't know what to do with crying, and and it makes them uncomfortable. So often they try and shut it down as well, and. You know, or don't cry because that makes them uncomfortable. I think that, or I believe, something's opening up in that, and there's a place that may have been uh, not accessed before that has has opened up, and the emotion is there, and it just and it just bubbles up, and often it can just bubble up and bubble away, like you said. I, don't, I had no idea what was going on, but that doesn't, you know, it didn't happen every it doesn't happen every time anymore so that can be part of it something's just opened up by the by the situation and by being held and even for me the experience of of love or gratitude can move me to that so that the tears come because I've, I've experienced that feeling of oh wow someone's done something or said something that touches me so deeply and and there's no words just the tears
0: Mm, mm. and you said before about you know people try and shut it down and that's a big issue isn't it so that when the body is activated in that way and there's clearly something causing you to cry and bubbling up i think the really important thing is to let it happen because that is the body's way of trying to dissipate that stuck energy for instance of that emotion and then if you shut it down and stop crying and that's so with so many you know for instance little children are told stop crying even from that age it's that's building up these areas these blockages these stuck things that build up and up and up so if you were just able to continue crying or continue speaking or whatever it is the energy of that can actually dissipate and then you're not bothered by that particular emotion again
1: yes absolutely And it's a lot of the reason i have clients to work with because there's is that discomfort with with tears, with emotion. And so the message, like you say, as children, that a lot of us are given is emotions aren't okay or that emotion isn't okay. And so they have to get put away and (laughs) held back and put a lid on and pressure builds up with that. And so they can come out um, explosively or in in a damaging or not helpful way at a later stage because they just can't there's power there that's being suppressed and it it needs an outlet so like you say if we're able to allow the emotion to come and bubble up bubble on through bubble away we don't have to even understand what it is that's come up but we've allowed it and allowed it to move through when we put a lid on it or others put a lid on it that's where it can um, be more damaging sometimes it can be Uh, pent up in a lot of ways and so Mm. being able to remove those those blockages at in increments that the body can handle at times and in ways that it feels safe and manageable so we're Mm. not just going to totally take that block away and all the emotions come spilling out because that may make us feel worse but just Mm. doing it in you know letting it uh, like some pressure out of the pressure valve
0: Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. And so it starts with other people sort of shutting us down in in childhood and then we learn to shut it down ourselves and the lid is on tighter and tighter. And I think particularly in women around the menopausal years is part of the reason why um, that uh, a lot of women just realise that they can't, they just there comes this point. I think the pressure valve can't release any more steam and then the whole lid just has to like blow off. <laughs> okay. And a lot of it gets released and and it can be, you know, in a great way, in a creative way, and it can be in a destructive way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important um for well, for everyone, not just women, but you know, I like to talk about women <laughs> 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 to um to to gradually let that pressure that pressure cooker lid just let it off a little bit at a time and let it settle down instead of letting it till it blows because you know I've seen firsthand and in people um in women who haven't and then what happens when it eventually blows uh we're just about out of time Gunga but I really want to just touch on one thing that you just said um about the tears oh no yeah that's right so I've noticed that if a, if I'm talking to a woman and, and she starts getting emotional and cries and then she goes, oh, you know, sorry, sorry, and she stops crying. Mm. And then if they are actually just allowed, being held in a safe space and being allowed to talk and continue talking, that then eventually you stop crying and you just feel better. And I've experienced this many times, you know, in circles of women too, and I think that's why they're such an important thing that all women should really have access to or even just one friend when it's an intentional space where one person listens and the other person speaks and there's no interruption by by the person listening so that when the first person is becoming emotional and talking and crying and, said, and then just to let that happen, you know, and then that's incredibly healing, just that most simple thing to be listened to uh, and accepted and allow it to happen can have amazing effects.
1: Yeah, I agree. And And as you're saying that, I'm thinking that's part of, the premise of sound psychotherapy for me is not coming in and rescuing someone or you know I've got the answers or the tools or or whatever and imposing those imposing an agenda on someone it's actually allowing the wisdom that's within them including the you know all the emotions all the messy stuff and all of the insights and all of those things to be known to that person so that's empowering for them like they I didn't know I had that in me but wow I've I've uncovered that that's been that's been allowed and it's been held by someone Mm. so yeah thank you for expressing it like that and like you I've seen that over and over with women in groups and and one-on-one as well
0: Mm, mm. and I think the singing uh what you said before about that even in two minutes, the women felt more connected, the singing and the vibration. I just wanted to circle back to that energy field thing again, mm-hmm. so that even if you're singing yourself in your room, you can feel better. But that effect is amplified so much. If you are singing in a group, uh, not a choir, you know, I'm just talking about an energy sort of gathering mm-hmm. um, and in a choir, of course, uh, that, that everyone's, the vibration is travelling from within everyone and into everyone's energy fields and just sort of mingling in this beautiful way and that, you know, amplifies it so that everyone feels relaxed and centred and, like you say, it can happen in just, you know, one or two minutes.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of research into singing together in groups how there's entrainment that happens with the the breath aligns so that the breath length and calibrates to each other, heartbeats, can um, calibrate so that we're actually in sync with, with heart rate and that it can measurably re- release and um, lower cortisol levels of stress hormone in the brain and mm. increase immunity. Mm. So there's just some of the ways that you know, yeah. impact us.
0: Oh, Ganga! I feel like we could have another, you know, hour-long uh, interview on the radio about that, <laughs> about how the singing, you know, can can physically decrease the stress hormones and actually help to heal you. I mean, having that evidence science-based, you know, approach behind it makes it, I think, much more acceptable to a wide range of people, and that's really fascinating. Well, I'm sorry to have to wrap this up because I could literally talk to you all day long. But thank you so much, Ganga, for coming along. And if anyone listening, uh, here is interested in contacting you or finding out a bit more about the kind of work that you do do you have a, a website or some way that people could contact
1: you yes it's singing the self so singing,
0: singing so the sings, self yeah. just singing yeah. the yeah yeah oh that's beautiful okay well thanks very much for your time today and i hope you have a wonderful rest of the day thanks for tuning in everyone on yes FM to the women's room I'll be back next week talking to another fabulous woman and until then, here's a song to take us to the news.